great. We'll put we'll put that in. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll the keep bacon. It. Should we keep that? We can make a bacon storage advice. Should we keep? We should keep that. Thank you. Advice podcast. <laughs> oh man. Ooh, uh, how do you store this podcast? Go home. I'm just. You're done. Should we keep you? Yeah. <laughs> Are we aces? Alright. Aces. You want to go first, or should I? I have one that's. Um, a little complicated. It's not complicated. Please. It's just uh, bear with me. Okay. Oh, so, interesting. Uh, well, just in terms of the phrasing of it, because so here's my thing. To I the would like that I to. Can, I would help you. But you can't. I right. can't. Uh, yeah. I want to replace all uh, um, criminal activity with the particular type of criminal I heard about yesterday at a Dwayne Reed. Are you with me? I am. Okay, so I need to know. I was at Dwayne Reed yesterday. This is really just a clever ruse for me to tell this story. What? Okay. <laughs> I think. Um, okay. Because it doesn't really have to do. It kind of has to do. Okay. okay. What is um, this criminal So I was at Dwayne Reed you. yesterday. <laughs> I was buying some mixed nuts because I was going to go see a show. So I just want a little, anyway, snack. Yeah. And I was checking out and the cashier um, was talking to another cashier. And she was like, do you know what I saw yesterday? Um, this guy was like, entered the Dwayne Reed, was kind of looking around, really just like worried that someone was going to see him, catch him, whatever. And so she was like, he looked a little suspicious. So I just kind of followed a little ways behind him down the aisle. And then what he did was he, he suddenly, he took all the scotch tape that in the entire Dwayne Reed, Uh gathered it into his arms and just started walking for the door. And he looked at the cashier and they like made eye contact and he sort of hesitated and then just like kept walking towards the door. And then she was like, excuse me, sir. And yeah. and I actually don't know what happened next, if he like gave the scotch tape or if he took went and ran for it. Right. Um, but he was just trying to steal like armloads of scotch tape. And I was just sort of like, this is a very interesting person. Uh, and if all cr- crime, you know, was like steal your office supplies instead of, I don't know, hold up a bank. Things would be weirder. Right. Maybe, maybe more, uh, maybe more gentle. Well, I mean, I, I certainly don't want to have to like call, uh, like, I don't want to have to like call a cashier anytime I want to get school supplies. That's true. At Dwayne Reed. I don't want to end up like baby formula and like, you know, deodorant. That kind of stuff. They deodorant. put that behind there, which condoms which i'm like if anything's going to be available to steal let it be things that are Mm. going to keep people safe right there's always bowls of condoms in other places exactly if so many people are giving it for free give it away for free as well come on yeah but i also there is something nice about like just being honest yeah an honest thief i need the scotch tape i've got a big project of some sort i mean it's an adult too so who knows what he's doing that he needs the scotch tape but Maybe he's a teacher and maybe. he lost oh, the maybe. state and local tax deductions. Yeah. You know, and so he can't get a tax deduction for spending his own money. Right. He's got to steal. Got to steal the tape. The current administration has turned teachers into criminals. Wow. Politics. Whoa. So that's um, my replacement for this week. You're going to replace... Uh, I'm going to replace criminal activity uh, with... Like harsh criminal activity. With, yeah, with just this guy stealing with, with tape. This guy. <laughs> with this just, guy. Just one guy. Just, just take that away. Make Put it in this that. Guy. Yes. Put in this guy. Um, what about you, Stephen? Um, yeah, so m- this week I would really like to get rid of uh, Cool House ice cream sandwiches. I This is the I've thing that everyone heard. knows. I, it's a universal thing. I love Everyone's ice cream sandwiches. Right. So okay. here's the thing about uh, Cool House ice cream sandwiches. One, 
they are not cheap. Mm. They're like, depending on where you go, anywhere between five fifty and seven dollars for us ice cream for sandwich? an ice cream sandwich. Wow. Yeah, and it's like they are. Full disclosure, total transparency. Please. The cookie remains soft. It's mm-hmm. not like the Mrs. Fields bullshit mm-hmm. where you try to bite that uh, and for the hard first as a rock. hard as a rock, it's gonna break your freaking teeth yeah. for the first like thirty minutes that you're trying to do anything. It's soft. It's nice. And they have like weird flavors. Mm. You know, you get like strawberry ice cream with a snickerdoodle cookie Ooh. or you know, not weird, but Tahitian vanilla with a with a chocolate chip cookie or a birthday cake cookie with the with fun fetty ice cream. Fine. Unfortunately, they're all uh, bland in, in flavor, mm. you know? And they're not like, and this bland flavor that you're getting, like you're not getting it for, you know, a low impact either. It's not like Arctic Zero where you can eat the whole thing. You don't have to feel bad, but it doesn't taste good. But it's like, it's like 600 calories. Wow. So it's high impact, high impa- impact on the dollar. And like, I keep buying them. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Anytime that I'm in the like grocery store by my house, I don't even have to be in the grocery store by my house. I can just be walking home and think like, am I hungry? No. Am I walking? Maybe I could buy an ice cream sandwich. <laughs> no, but yes, but no. But maybe, no, no. And like, I literally, I was in the grocery store and I was talking to my dad and I went in literally just to get like, I think some seltzer or, Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, and I'll get this avocado. I'm buying small, just trying to keep things contained. And then next thing you know, I've got these in in my hand, I've got the ice cream sandwich. And then as I'm walking, I just start like swearing on the phone with my dad. He thought that like something crazy had happened, right? but it was just me being like, no, no, I don't, I don't need this. I don't want to buy this. I don't want to eat it. I don't want to have eaten it. Cause you know, there's always that feeling of like, Ooh, I'm really going to like eating this, but I'm not going to like having eaten it later. Yes, of course. I'm familiar. So I, yeah. And I just like boom, opened up the case, throw the thing in. And like the, there are good things about the, the company. Like there are good things, but like, like, they have. They try to keep their their overrun. Oh, low. you did research on the company. Wow. I yeah, nice. I did. I did, and they also put it on the package. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> but they like they don't use any bovine growth hormone. They use cage free eggs, and they use fair trade chocolate, that kind of thing, organic products and stuff. Um, they are something kind of confusing um, when you read it. Uh, they are certified woman owned. Um, certifiable right I was like <laughs> if it just said woman owned I'd be like is there like oh, a that's... certification government certification office of are you really uh, woman owned are you, yeah uh, I mean yep. we gotta get it certified right. like are you There's I don't believe stamp. it right. yeah so I was talking to somebody and they were like it almost sounds like they're just meeting the bare requirements because like otherwise why would you need a certification it's like you're certified mm-hmm. we are we're, we're certified we meet the percentage but yeah well. but i did look actually i did look up and there are actually a number of uh designations for small businesses that are owned by women and obviously the point of it is to say like if you're interested in supporting products that are owned by women and female-run businesses. Right, here's a list. Here's a Mm -hmm. list. Here is a a stamp that says, you know, buy this product. So these are all good things. I would like everything to have this. But, you know, again, final negative thing, their sandwiches. Um, If you go to their website, if you want to buy them or you want to read about them, um, they call them Sammy's. That's cute. No, it's no, cute. 
No, no, that Sammy. I was. Ugh, Maybe no, the I'm, owner's name is Sammy. Well, it's Natasha. So okay. Well, that's a nickname for Natasha. Sammy. Oh, I didn't know Natasha, that. Natasha Sammy last name. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. Where where I just is did, that? It's on th- the website too. I looked it up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, you looked it up just now. Yeah, I knew um, with my brain computer. Nice. Yeah. Dope. Um, I have to say though, you are kind of making me want to support this business and buy these ice cream sandwiches. So, well, you know what? Buy it. I want you to buy it. Great. I want you to taste it and go, oh, hmm. for all these stickers that say all the good things. It probably just means that real, what we're used to as regular ice cream and cookies are full of a bunch of crap, you know, and these are like actually the better option. So, but I get what you're so, saying. So, but but see the irony there. The irony there is that that means that I'm less inclined to buy mm. natural stuff because right. natural stuff doesn't Tastes taste bad. as good. It's not as sweet. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, like oh, do you like what's everything you like about bad stuff? <laughs> well, it's not present Tastes in the good. good stuff. So stay where you are. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Well, okay. You can get rid of it for yourself, and maybe the rest of the world can have some. Let's start I just, the show. You know, yeah, as long as, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So welcome. Welcome. I'm Stephen Moskis. I'm Gina Stevenson. And this is our Cultural View podcast where we go through films, TV, music that you know and love from the past 50 years, challenging your nostalgia to get at the question. Should, should we should we, uh, should, should we, should we keep, keep this? And today we're talking about. 1971's top grossing film Fiddler on the Roof and the best picture winner The French Connection The French <laughs> le Connection Francaise ah. yeah we <laughs> Gina yeah so let's talk first I'm just going to give us a quick rundown of both of these movies um, I 1971 I've decided each time I'm going to have a little tagline for the year based on some common thread between mm. the movies so this is uh, 1971 is the year of the turf wars that's the Ooh. one connection I could find between them Oh, pretty much. Year you, of the turf war. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll go on to explain why. No, I'm. It's clear. I, I mean, I, it's, clear. It, it's clear to it's me, clear. but uh, you know, for the listeners. For the listeners. For the listeners. Well, since we're speaking in really great French accents, I'll start with the French Connection, which Très is bien. the best picture movie. Oui. This is your classic cop movie. Mm. Um, it stars Gene Hackman, and honestly, I didn't recognize a single other person. Roy Scheider. I don't know who that is. Is that his partner? Yeah. You never seen Jaws? Oh, yeah, I think I saw Jaws. You goof. <laughs> Anyways. You think you saw Jaws? Gene Hackman what? and Roy <laughs> Scheider. Roy Scheider. Okay, yeah. so this film, um, so it begins in Marseille. Marseille. Is that? Marseille. I don't speak French. But Marseille. Where we meet a French criminal whose name is Charnier. Charnier. Um, who runs a huge heroin, thank you, a huge heroin smuggling syndicate. Don't interrupt me in the middle of heroin smuggling. Okay. A huge heroin smuggling syndicate. Just because it sounded like he runs a huge heroin, that doesn't make sense. I should have kept going. Okay. (laughs) The film begins in Marseille, where we meet this French criminal whose name is Charnier, uh, who runs a huge heroin smuggling syndicate. Uh, And he's planning, we see that he's planning this trip to New York City to, in order to smuggle a ton of heroin into the U.S., um, and so, meanwhile, back in New York, we meet our um, heroes, quote unquote, um, and they are nar- a narcotics cop duo. Their real names are Doyle and Russo, but they are called Popeye and Cloudy for some reason. They have these nicknames, and we don't really 
ever know why, but that's fine. Um, and so the first time that we meet them, we see them busting up this drug deal at a bar. Um, and everyone at the bar is black. And it's sort of the first time of many in the film where we see people of color being portrayed as criminals. Mm-hmm. I'm having no opinion about that. This is the that. non-biased I'm just, section I'm just, I, It's important. Right? This is part of the movie. Yeah. No, it is indeed. Um, and we see Popeye, who is Gene Hackman, yep. um, really sort of like savagely beating the suspect and like kind of doing whatever it takes to get the truth out of him. So we kind of understand he's sort of a sort of a bad cop, mm. right? Um, this is also where the, I won't bring up that phrase. We'll talk about it later, I'm sure. Picking your feet in Poughkeepsie. Uh, anyways, he brings that up and it doesn't mean a damn thing. Uh, mm. So anyways, so they, they do, in the end, book this criminal in the process. His partner, Cloudy, gets slashed with a knife. And so later on in the day, Popeye invites Cloudy, I'm just going to call him that, out for a drink at the Copacabana to be like, hey, sorry you got stabbed a little bit let's have a drink um and while they're there they spot this young italian couple uh entertaining some mobsters who they because they are cops they know that those mobsters are involved in narcotics and so they get a little suspicious Mm -hmm. they decide for fun it seems on a little hunch whim to tail the couple um and it turns out it's this guy the guy's name is sal and it's his wife he the two of them and they see later as they like tail him for like a full night and morning that there's some connection between Sal and this wealthy lawyer who they also know is part of the narcotics underworld. Um, And soon after that, Popeye gets a tip from an informant that there's this huge shipment of heroin coming into New York. And so they wonder if there's some connection between Sal and this shipment. And so uh, they are put on the case. Um, They like beg to be put on it, but they are also joined by a couple of federal agents uh, and they don't like that. Uh, Meanwhile, the French heroin smuggler Chaunier uh, arrives in New York City. Um, and the rest of the movie is honestly basically just like the cops tailing him right. and Sal trying to like see the connection, trying to catch them. Um, uh, but they like can't catch them doing anything illegal. And Charnier is like very good at evading um, tales, we, mm-hmm. we learn. Um, even, and then we as the audience, though, we'd see that, yes, his hunch is correct. And Charnier is planning to sell this tons and tons of heroin to Sal, who has enlisted the help of that lawyer guy from earlier to supply the cash. Um, essentially, they run out of time in terms of the time that they've been as- given to do the mission. Uh, they can't catch them. They're taken off the case. But then um, Charnier's hitman tries to shoot Popeye. Um, so there's this crazy chase scene mm-hmm. where uh, the hitman is like holding a subway hostage and Popeye is following on the street in a car. It's funny. Now I'm just picturing Popeye the Sailor Man. The right. more I, I say I this. I struggling not I know, I know. Um, You're right. Okay. Gene yeah. Hackman. You can say Russo. Popeye. I mean, that's okay. what he is. Well, I am saying Popeye. Is. Yeah, so struggling not to envision Popeye. I, I get I want the, the listeners to be envisioning Popeye. Yes, please yeah. be envisioning Gene Hackman voicing Popeye Honestly, he the Sailor look Man. Unlike he doesn't. Gene Hackman. No. When Robin Williams mm. had like prosthetics to look like Popeye, Interesting. kind of looked more like Gene Hackman. That's very true. I like it. Um, anyways, eventually, this crazy chase scene. Um, Popeye catches up, kills the hitman. Boom. And I guess this allows them to continue their operation. It's not really ever said. But they sort of do another big, long tail, and they find the drugs inside of this car that Sal was driving. And so, like, ah, we found our clue. And they, you know, the bad guys sell the heroin. And then, you know, it turns out that they're surrounded by the cops. Um, and so they're trying to catch them. But then in the last second, um, Popeye tries to catch Charnier, but accidentally shoots one of the federal agents. Uh, yes. And yeah. then the movie just ends very abruptly. Um, we learn via title text that this is sort of a true story and mm. that in reality, Charnier escaped, never was caught, and that the cops were just reassigned to a different division. And that's The French Connection. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, you want to go straight into Fiddler on the Roof, or you want me to talk about the cultural impact? Why don't you talk about the cultural impact? Yeah, that was um, a long synopsis. It was. Yes. Not in uh, no judgment. It was just thorough. No judgment. It was just it was thorough. thorough. Yeah. It was thorough. Um, but yeah, it was the, <laughs> surprisingly, it was the first R-rated best picture, which is ironic since the uh, first X-rated best picture, you would think that R-rated, uh, an R-rated movie would win before an X-rated yeah, movie. Yeah, that's, um, wow. But Just nope. jumping the gun. Nope. Um, and the the police officers that because so the movie is based on a, a true. It's like a nonfiction novel, but it's based on real police stories mm-hmm. um, from the late '60s, and the cops that Roy Scheider and Gene Hackman play are real police officers that that inspired those characters and they worked as consultants on the film. Um, And then because of the film, they went on to actually consult on a number of films throughout the 70s and 80s. Um, The the head of police was the real life Popeye in the the movie. Like, so he did more acting. Um, Oh, cool. Right, and there was a 1975 sequel uh, there was a surprising splinter in that um, the real-life Popeye and Gene Hackman, they collaborated more on later films, whereas the real Roy Scheider character and Roy Scheider, they actually went on to collaborate. They did a, um, a sequel, uh, not a sequel, a spinoff called Seven Ups that was Roy Scheider's first leading role in a film which then later he was went on to lead Jaws he also played uh, Bob Fosse um, mm. fun thing was that uh, Gene Hackman was actually not the first not only not the first choice but was the absolute last choice the director did not want him at all Wow! and they fought a lot on set I don't want to talk about why until after we're in the movie. Um, but this film did win five Academy Awards, directing, editing, adapted screenplay, best picture, um, and Gene Hackman, mm. for somebody who was not wanting, who someone who was not wanted for the role, ended up winning best actor. Wow. Um, and then it's credited with one, being one of the greatest car chases in history. The Royal Tenenbaums actually do a very direct send up but through go-kart racing um (laughs) ironically not ironically but oddly a lot of films that star gene hackman are inspired by or reference this movie um films like the enemy of the state royal tenenbaums um was this his first big movie it wasn't he had been in a couple but this definitely launched his career yeah. and helped him get established. And then um, he, fun other things, The it was not the director's first movie. He made um, a film version of The Boys in the Band in 1970, and then but he did go on to make The Exorcist. Um, the writer who wrote the film also was the creator of uh, Shaft. Oh, Fun wow. fact, yeah. yeah. Um, and then there is also, inspired by this title, there's a, a French clothing brand called French Connection. Um, they got in trouble, actually, because they 
created a brand name, their logo. They changed their logo to FCUK. Yes, this is the thing I mentioned last time. That's the only thing that I knew about this. Yup, yeah. yup, And yep. I remember seeing people wearing that brand in high school and being like, oh, does their shirt say fuck? <laughs> it didn't. Yeah, it didn't. Um, and then another thing that's like very recent um, in terms of the structure of the film and also how it's kind of how it just stops really quickly and yeah. then not only are they just sort of reassigned but they also talk about how the people were not really charged right um this film is cited by spike lee as one of his main inspirations for black Klansmen, because mm-hmm. um, structurally they're they're kind of similar and they also have this a similar lack of definite resolution yeah um true. that's very interesting yeah, and then that's really that's really all I know. I know that like, did you have any cultural like awareness of this movie prior to hearing it? I did not. I I honestly, I mean, I I had heard the title, I think, right. but never knew anything about it. Yeah, I had heard the title. It, it gets played a lot on Stars. It seems to be the first big film in what will go on to be a series of organized crime related films Mm -hmm. that the 70s and 80s offer and not getting into bias yet part of me feels like the novelty of that at the time maybe moved this film along but because so many other films had come after it it's outside of being known by name it doesn't seem to have too much of a big lasting uh import you mentioned the the poughkeepsie line Mm -hmm. but even though that's the most famous quote i i've never heard of it and i don't really hear it never in any in any other things and when i was looking it up uh online all i found was like uh a reference like only this movie like it was like gene hackman talked about it in an interview and people on various online message boards were like what does this mean do you think you know right yeah and a lot of films a lot of films actually get they like send it up by calling things like oh the blank connection like the mm. bulgarian connection the french fry connection you know exactly what They're, is the french what is that a movie the french fry oh connection? it was it was like the title of an episode of oh. of a sitcom yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it, got it, got it. um hmm. but so surprisingly it is yeah Less, not it sounds like so it sort of started pushed this genre kind of into the spotlight and then but wasn't and then other things became more memorable or unique in that genre but right it kind of got the ball rolling right right but then because it was first sometimes it's better to start behind it kind of got left behind yeah yeah nice i like that well that was an interesting phrase why don't you that's all yeah let's move to fiddler on the roof so this is this is the top grossing film of 1971 um, and it's a musical drama uh, adapted from the stage musical of the same name. Comedy drama, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, I would agree with that. It is set in Anatevka, which is a fictional Jewish shtetl in Ukraine in the early 1900s. Very early, so like 1900-something. Yes. Um, and it starts with us meeting Tevya, who is a poor milkman. Uh, he, and he, through song, introduce, introduces us to the village, the traditions, which is a very important theme throughout the movie. Uh, as stated in the song Tradition. What's that song title? It's called Tradition. It's about? Uh, tradition. Oh. Uh, and we also meet his family. He has a wife and five daughters. Uh, and the town. And then so what we sort of see is the town's matchmaker, Yenta, who I love. 
so much. Um, has arranged a marriage between his eldest daughter, Title, and to the wealthy and old mm-hmm. butcher in the town, Laza Wolf, which is a great name. Um, but we also learned that Seidel is secretly in love with a poor tailor. Um, and uh, at the same time-ish, uh, Tevya in town is talking with the men of the town um, because the men are sort of the only ones usually who have access to time together and talking and information. And he meets Perchik, who is this radical Marxist who uh, sort of admonishes the other men for um, when they hear about news of Jews being banished from their villages, uh, he, you know, that the men are sort of talking about it but not doing anything about it. And so Tevya ends up inviting Perchik to come and stay with his family for a bit because Perchik is a teacher and he says that he'll tutor Tevya's daughters um, who otherwise probably would not have any access to education. So. Right. Um, and then um, uh, and later on, so, you know, Seidel is going to be married to Laser Wolf. There's a bit like Tevya celebrating with with Laser Wolf because they're like, yay, my daughter and you. And here we are. Uh, and then he learns because he's rich, right? He's, he's very like a, rich, yeah. exactly. And Tevya's family is poor, and so they're excited because this will be a, right. a, a step up in their in class and in their life. Um, and then as he's leaving the celebration, Tevya runs into the town constable, um, who has who has always been sort of courteous, kind of friendly with Tevya. And the constable kind of gives him a heads up that the Tsar has ordered a quote small demonstration, not mm-hmm. a full pogrom, um, which is going to happen soon. So he's like giving him a warning. Um, and then the next morning, basically, when Tevya is going to go to his daughter and be like, congratulations, you're going to get married. Um, Seidel finally tells, basically, you know, it's revealed to her father that she is in love with the tailor. Uh, and so they sort of beg him for instead their permission for them to marry each other rather than her marrying the butcher. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tevya at first is very indignant because young people don't arrange their own matches, right? Um, but he sees that they're in love and agrees to let this tradition break this tradition, which again is an important theme in the film. What I is would say a tradition. Oh, um, and agrees to let them marry instead to marry each other for love, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and meanwhile, we can see that Perchik and the second oldest daughter, Hoddle, uh, are sort of building a relationship together they, that is sort of starts from their mutual like banter and kind of wit together. Um, they are very cool dance, a very cool dance. <laughs> so yes, they dance together, which is very forbidden for mm. men and women to dance together. Um, but again, breaking as, as Perchik often says in the movie, you know, times are changing. It's a new world. Some traditions uh. may have to go. Uh. Um, did I mention that tradition is a theme? Uh, uh, uh you may have. May I have. Okay. Anyways. Um, so then, uh, at Seidel's wedding to the Taylor model, um, they have a nice wedding. There's a song there, which we'll talk. Okay, this is just the synopsis. Um, <laughs> uh, arguments, uh, basically after the wedding, the party portion of it, sort of arguments over tradition again break out um, because people are sort of like, they married for love. They chose each other. That doesn't happen. Right. And then also Perchik comes out and he's like, they love each other. It's fine. And he's like, dance with me, huddle. And then they dance together in front of everyone, which is, again, a, a big no-no. Tearing down um, the rope. Tear down the rope between the men and the women. Them. Exactly, because yeah. they party in different areas. And people are also sort of like frozen at first and like, this is wrong. But then Tevya pulls Golda, his wife, out and they dance. And then like sort of everyone is, even the rabbi starts like dancing. He doesn't touch their hand hand but like right. holds a thing and they dance um and everyone's happy and there's a lot of joy and then the ceremony is interrupted the constable arrives with the military and they start their quote small demonstration so yeah. they trample all over the wedding they you know torch houses and destroy property and everyone is very 
scared. Um, and that's and then we have an intermission. Um, and then yes, the, we, have an, we have an intermission. Uh, yeah. And then it was a long movie. It's a it's a three hour movie. What we, but like who's leaving this? I want to know if in 1970 and 1971, it's when good. these films have intermissions, is are people getting up and going to the bathroom during this? Like, why are we having I an on track? I mean, this, this one, I'm like, it minutes. came from a stage musical, so it Ugh. makes sense to me. But I don't know. Maybe people are getting up and getting snacks. Um, but the act, act two begins some months later. Um, Perchik is now on about to leave town so he can join in the revolution. Um, but before he goes, he proposes to Huddle, and she says yes. Um, and there's a plan that she'll go join him as soon as possible. They go up to her father, of course, uh, for the second time. Uh, and Tevye is, is again, again, he's angry, especially this time, not only because they chose each other, but now... It's not that they're asking for his permission to marry, it's that they're asking for his blessing. So Mm -hmm. a whole other level of tradition being broken down. And so he does, in the end, though, agree not only to give his blessing, but his permission, um, because, again, he sees that they're in love. Um, And meanwhile, the third daughter, Chava, she has fallen in love with a Russian Orthodox Christian, which is a big no-no in terms of interfaith marriage. Uh, and so Tevya basically forbids her from having any contact with him. And then the next day, Chava has disappeared. And it turns out that they eloped um, and mm. they got married in a church. Uh, and we almost we have the same sort of repeated theme where it's Tevya looking at his daughter and she's asking for his blessing or his permission to marry. And maybe he's going to accept this one as well. But then he says, this is the thing that I cannot cross. Um, and so she is basically disowned and she's dead to the family. Um Perchik, again, some months have passed. We learn he's been captured, banished to a prison settlement in Siberia. Huddle is going to go and be with him because she loves him. Um, So she's leaving town to do that. And then the constable arrives again to tell the town that they have three days to leave Anatevka because they're being forced out by the government. Um, And so even though it's been their home for generations, the whole town basically begins packing up. uh, And they have to leave in three days. Tevye and his family are going to go to the U.S., Chava appears at the last moment to say goodbye. Tevye again is sort of ignoring her, um, but then at the last moment he murmurs, God be with you, uh, which is perhaps a sign that he could forgive them, forgive her, and then maybe reconnect the family in the future. And it sort of ends with all the residents of Anatevka, this sort of long, solemn parade of them leaving town with all of their possessions. Um, mm-hmm. and, that's, and that's how it ends. And they're going to New York? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to either New York or Chicago. I can't well, remember. no, Laser, uh, Wolf Laser Wolf's going, going to Chicago. Chicago. They're going. We'll be no, right. sorry. We'll be we'll neighbors. be neighbors. <laughs> yes, you're not allowed. To do I'm that. not allowed I, to do that. I am Jewish. <laughs> I, I could do it. I was just doing a uh, an imperson- I, I wasn't yeah. doing anything. I was right. there was something stuck in my throat. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and so like, what was your? You knew this movie well beforehand. I knew and loved this movie. For a long time, um, I watched it regularly. What I was gonna say in the middle was the sunrise sunset song mm-hmm. at the wedding. Every time this movie has become like a in my family, it's just sort of like a often referenced, but people we don't even think about the fact that it's coming from. Sure. It's just like become our vocabulary. So anytime I do anything that seems like oh, I'm doing, I'm growing up, my mom <laughs> will just go sunrise sunset, uh, and uh, yes. Yeah, so I have seen this movie several times, yeah. many many times in my life. So I have never seen I realize like I've never seen the full musical actually like mm. I, I'm familiar mostly with the act one song so I used to be a part of this company there's a company where I grew up that you know does lots of shows for kids and they you know now they sort of write their own musicals to get around 
intellectual property, but then they also, um, when I was there, they would sort of do basically like lots of first acts, basically sterilized versions of musicals. So I did do, mm. like I was in. You were in Fiddler on the Roof? Uh, act okay. one of it. Yeah. <laughs> Who'd you I, uh, as cast, um, I was like one of the sons in tradition, and then um, I held the canopy in oh, uh, wow. in sunrise sunset, Look and then uh, and then I actually I wasn't the first guy, but I did the bottle dance, and it was insisted that we a not wear hats and b we weren't able to like secure them or weight them in any way. We literally were. I had to like learn how to do it with an empty bottle, like on my head. Wait, no hat. They were wearing hats in the they movie. They were wearing hats. You in didn't the movie. even get to wear a hat. I don't think I got. I may. You I may have been wrong on that. Then maybe there's a photograph. I think that's impossible. But I might. But I, I. I was good at it. Okay. And I, I had to do you. the thing to my knees. You did the and the boom? Yeah. Down on the, the ground. Down on the ground. And then, oh and then slide. Yeah. And man, <gasps> the audience goes freaking wild yeah, with that. And it impressive. is difficult. Yeah, it looks really, really hard. I remember like doing homework and stuff just sitting with a with a bottle on my head and just being like just doing it and wow even at the greek festival in charleston um we there was because there is a dance that is often done with a glass of like ouzo and like the, the main dancer will hold it in in their mouth mm. and then lower it without touching it to the ground mm. and then pick it up blah 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 and then uh there like, somebody gave me like a bottle of it and then I was sort of able to nice. dance on it. Yeah, it was very good. But cool. I um I realized, you know, I didn't know. Mm. With the exception of Far From the Home I Love. Love that song. Mm. It um It's not opinion time, sorry. Not opinion time. How yeah, good it's song. not opinion time. These are it's, we're talking about just facts right it's now. It's a fact, um, but it's a good it song. It is a factual song. Mm. It is in the mm. fact that it was a song. The song it, it may not the be song factual. Happened. Um but so this was um, the longest for 10 years until Grease came out. This was the longest running show on Broadway. It opened mm -hmm. in 1964, mm -hmm. uh, won nine Tony Awards when it came out. It had five revivals that took place after the film came out. So it was indeed a very popular Broadway musical already, but the fact that it was a huge selling film as well i'm sure catapulted the demand for future Revivals, runs i yeah. mean we've had in the past three years there's i feel like before the recent broadway revival even closed the the yiddish theaters version That's was already true. opening right and that yeah and i saw that revival the broadway revival mm -hmm. just happened and yeah and i've heard that the yiddish one which is going on now is like spectacular that, so yeah um Anyways. in fact. terms That's of a fact it is indeed a fact <laughs> yeah um it it uh, cost nine million dollars to make, and it grossed eighty three, which I did find surprising because for the top grossing film, that's about fifty million dollars less than Last Love year. Stories yeah. international gross. Hmm. Um, so I thought that that was a bit strange. You know, um, I wondered if it just seemed there there was an ebbing across the board with with films because the margin between this film and the second was relatively consistent to other years but so everything was just lower everything mm, was lower interesting then this film gets referenced a lot 
particularly if I were a rich man, that song mm-hmm. gets referenced a lot. In my uh, house, it gets referenced a lot as well. <laughs> potentially, uh, I'm. This is subjective. Mm-hmm. Uh oh. I would say potentially the most. I don't know. Fuck it. Uh, Gwen Stefani's version was oh pretty big. God, yeah. yeah, yeah. With with Eve, right? Yeah, and then. Uh, yeah, if I were a rich man, is referenced a lot. It's referenced in lots of sitcoms, Seinfeld, etc. Gilmore Girls, classic references, basically every point of this musical. What? Yeah, it's too. There's too many to. No, but the writer is the same writer as the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh yes, yeah, So she references it quite a bit, even though most people just reference Matchmaker. And if I were a rich man, mm-hmm. um, although I did think it was it was nice that uh, Bright Eyes did do a cover of Sunrise Sunset. They did. They wow. did. Yeah. I like them. Yeah. So are you? I know what I want to keep. Me too. Do you? Do you, are we? I'm ready. Ready? Are yes. we? I want to go one, two, three. I'm gonna go three, two, one then. Dope. <laughs> okay. All right. Ready? One, three, two, two, three, one. Fiddler, Fiddler on, on the, the Roof. roof. Yeah, we get to keep something <laughs> yes. finally. Oh my, God, I know. oh, my God. I was so relieved when I finished the movie and was like, yes, I want to keep one. Was, right. Oh God. I was I was <sighs> so nervous it was going to be like, oh, God, not not this one, too. Like, especially right. I'm tired of spending like three hours on something that we're going to have to like <laughs> say has got to go. Um, I, I was definitely, yeah. definitely cool with that yes and my whole ch- i would be really sad just because it had such a uh resonance in my life to have right. to, to be like oh no we have to get rid of it would be sad personally yeah. not that, that yeah, matters yeah. as much but um but so we both agree that the french connection can gotta go. get out of here gotta right. go good 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 holy hell good good, good. um yeah do you want to start with why that's gonna go yeah okay yeah. yes god the popeye just this character <sighs> Mm-hmm. is the Yo. worst. He, I started making I, in my notebook, which um, you can see. Steven, oh, I can see I there's so much writing. writing da- well, no, not just in the corner. Thank you. There's a lot of writing. Um, I made a list of every time I heard him use a racial slur Ugh. to talk about a different um, group of people. Mm-hmm. And I have five written down. And those are the ones that I caught. There might have been more. Right. Um, Probably so by the time that you that I realized like, I should that write you these should down, write them I'm down. sure I'd missed a few. <laughs> right. Um, because he is just the w- and I that I think that maybe he is supposed to be an anti-hero, I suppose, perhaps. I have something about that. Great. Um, but he is brutal. He is really violent. He's racist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet the whole film, like I, I was thinking about the question of is he an anti-hero or should we like him or not? Right. But I think we are supposed to like him because he is right. Like he he's the one cop who's following his gut and right. he takes down, you know, he actually kills a cop again apparently because they reference like in the past he's killed a cop by Uh accident before but um but like he sort of is the the moral center almost of this movie right because he actually is the one who brings this all to light and takes down this this huge crime yeah um so he's my biggest problem with the movie can i insert something fun so on gene hackman being the Mm. last pick they used to fight all the time on set, him and the director. Mm-hmm. And the reason was because Gene Hackman was like, this character's racist. Oh, like, wow. I don't want to do this stuff. We shouldn't be doing this stuff because this, this shit's racist. Yeah. And I was like, 
I'm very happy to read this. Gene Hackman, you can stay. Yeah, <laughs> really good to know. Because he sells it really hard. And he's right. just, he like seems really gross in every way. Like, yeah. He's just also like, I don't want to be um, appearance about, appe- it's not about his appearance, but he just like seems like a, like he's kind of like old and he's like a little, like, I don't know. He's just, right. I'm like, what is the deal with this guy? I will say, I will give him the benefit of the doubt and helpful. say that, not the benefit of the doubt, but I will say that he, from the moment that they caught on to him, they did stay up like, almost all night uh and then true from then until the big bust it was like yeah all one thing That's true. but you know what i actually don't care about uh defending him because no, he, we, sucks. he sucks um and i did wonder because we see him go into this bar and it's just they randomly uh. choose to stick up this bar that is full of black people and then oh my god it's... It, he's just randomly picking people and and punching them and then he chases one guy out and they beat him up and it's framed if you read about it everyone frames it as like an interrogation i'm like this is not no. an interrogation this is police brutality it's police br- throughout the movie throughout anytime he uh arrests or like is about to arrest anybody mm-hmm. and therefore all the people who those who is he's about to arrest or right. arrest are people of color he's like if you move i'll shoot your fucking head off right and then he's like kicking them and like beat punching them it's just like unbelievable even the informant yeah, because yeah. He, there's this one guy in a bar that he needs to talk to and so he to protect the guy's identity quote unquote i'm mm-hmm. giving him the most benefit of the doubt i could possibly <laughs> give him you know they kind of fight their way into a bathroom and then they stop and they talk and it's supposed to be kind of funny. And then before they go back out, he's like, all right, where do you want it? Left side or right side? And he's like, right side. And then he punches him in the face. So really he's like, yeah. yeah. So he's like believably in a fight with this police officer. And I'm like, even the one who's working with you, you're just going to beat the shit out of? Like right. what? This fucking go away. I and, know. and he doesn't seem to have like any remorse about having to do that. Like he's just no. like, which side? Okay, boom. Here I it, go. It you seems know? to be, it's very much painted like uh He's doing what he's gonna do to get right. the drugs off the street. And, you know, I really started to think about the way that, like, do films like this create, like, what role do they have in creating the police culture that we have today? Mm-hmm. Because I was talking to somebody who lived in New York a long time ago, and there was, no, they have lived in New York their whole life, but um, they were saying that one of the ways that the police cleaned up washington or union square Mm. was that they would just drive around pick up a drug dealer beat him up and throw him back out and then basically by intimidating Mm. drug dealers they made union square safe again so like that was what was already going on so like this may be a reflection of that but i couldn't help but think that you know especially since this is not only spawning a culture of film, but these people who were the real people Mm. went on to be consultants on more films. To what degree are they creating the police culture? What degree are they inspiring people to become police officers so they can become these hotshots? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I hated that. Uh, What I did like um, after the, after the car chase, when he finally catches the guy, Mm -hmm. the, uh, so a lot of the actors in the film through just throughout lots of extras and everything were actually police officers huh. and a lot of them took issue with him 
with him uh, shooting him on the stairwell because they were like, you can't shoot a man in the back. Totally. I know. I was like, why? He can't just shoot him in the leg or something? Like, right. it was. Well, I mean, he can't shoot him in the leg, but. Oh, you're not, he, but at least you have to die. shoot to kill. It's a oh, way of like, okay. you can't use your. That's. You can't use your gun to, like, immobilize a person. Mm. You if if because you shouldn't be using your gun unless the threat to your life is so extreme that you have to, that you have to kill the person. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you should be using other methods of right, right, subduing right. them. Mm-hmm. Um, so he did have to kill him, but he's also not supposed to shoot him in the back because if they're running away from you, they're right, not posing not an imminent threat to, to your safety. Yes. Um, totally. And then I feel like also the. Um, like the fact that at the end, like he shoots the federal agent by accident. Right. And then, you know, just without missing a beat is like, I'm going to, he's here somewhere. I'm going. Right. And then the movie just ends. And like we even, um, yeah, that like he, he doesn't care about human humanity. No. Like he's so selfish too. It's like, he's doing this because he, for some reason has to be the one to like take this all down. And that's just like not a, an attitude that is at all healthy, you know? Can we speak about the culture of uh, filmmaking? Uh, They're the car chase, right? Mm -hmm. So this is on a list of the greatest car chases Mm -hmm. in movie history. It's often seen as like the greatest because of, you know, new handheld camera technology. They were able to capture in ways they weren't able to do before. Right in the front of the car. It feels like you're driving it. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. So this car chase, um, they drove 90 miles an hour for 26 blocks without a permit. What? They did not secure the rights to the street. They were driving through actual traffic what? to do it. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and and the so there is a camera that's in the car with Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman did the real driving. Oh my god yep <laughs> and the the his stunt man was actually the cameraman that was operating the camera in the car because and his, the, his explanation as to why was because the cameramen all had families and he was single so he was willing to to oh be in the car i mean that god. is so irresponsible it's the kind of like i hate anyone who just does dangerous bullshit on film and then if it, if people don't die, mm-hmm. right. it, they go, well, you know, we got the shot. It. Right. It almost sounds like who the director like relates to the main character in terms of like, right. he also is like someone who will just do whatever it takes to get what he wants. And so like the director did the exact same thing. He also saw himself in like deep mm-hmm. uh, direct competition with Francis Ford Coppola mm-hmm. uh, later in the 70s. He, when... Francis Ford Coppola went to the Philippines to film Apocalypse Now. He was like, "Well, I've got my I've got my film that takes place in South America. We're going on location. We're going to South America." It's like, dude, just just chill. Right. And also, you're not in competition with Francis Ford Coppola. No, like, sorry. he's on another level. <laughs> yeah. uh, I just want to say one other thing about the car chase, which is, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this happens in so many." cop movies mm-hmm. but the thing where to get a car to follow oh, the subway yeah. he's like which is like a thing that you see cops do all the time in movies he like stands with his badge in front of traffic and like waves at the cars and finally one of them stops because the rest of them are all like right. fuck you and they don't just try not to hit him and he you know the, pulls the driver out and is like I'm a cop I need your car and then he like just drives away and the guy's like 
when will I get my car back? Right. Oh man. And I'm like, yeah. Why do they? They would. Cops would not. Do they do? I this? don't. What I, is this image? Yeah. It, you like, know? What, is this like? <laughs> and then what he is like this destroys the car. Oh my god. He crashes into a everything. Weird thing. But I was like, yeah, this happens all the time. And maybe this was the first movie that did that. But it's like such a weird trope. Yeah. Right. It's like one of those things where it's like, does this actually have? a real life analog like is there anything real about this or is this just somebody did it as shorthand to get around an obstacle and then because it was done once people were like right. oh i liked the way it did right. that so we're just gonna do or that. maybe i wonder if the real cop who it was about like did it and that's why and they were right. like this was a crazy moment when i actually did this and then people watched the movie and were like oh cops do that so now right. cops more do on the movies. more on the director siding with the yeah. the real life guy that was one of the one of the things that he used as like a trump card over gene hackman was that he you know he wouldn't back down on the character's racism because he felt like that's what the real cop would have done mm. and it's like well what well he's racist yeah like he's just a racist let's cop. not do let's, let's get a new cop then yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> right let's get a new consultant or like let's let's like make a point of a point about him being racist and not glorify it yeah kind of, but uh, they're also uh, another thing about the car chase is that instead of getting a, a permit, I don't know how expensive permits were at the time, um, but in a time in which a believable round trip plane ticket to Washington <laughs> D.C. cost dollars, yeah, <laughs> uh, they paid a New York City official forty thousand dollars and a trip to Jamaica, so to that they wouldn't get in trouble for the car chase. They. Straight get up, a, bribe somebody. Yeah, to, get a permit. God, that's, just get a permit. This, they should have been arrested. That, right. What the hell? Yeah, it's crazy. It, yeah. It, mm -hmm. Um. Also, I just I, I wrote down all the different women who are characters in this movie. This is not related to car uh, chase. How long was that list? That was uh. Well, it was two, and then I was like, mm -hmm. oh, I guess there is actually a third one who yeah. sleeps, who we only see her naked back. Um, the one who sleeps with him. So basically, the three women in this movie are all um wives or um sex objects so I there's know the, the first one is first the first one? one we see is the young very young mm -hmm. much younger than wife of 19 19 um and they talk oh, about 19? no sorry sorry sal's I'm oh sal's wife ahead. okay that's okay sorry my bad i'm on wife number one um she's the yeah, the wife of of the french criminal and we only see her in one sh one scene in the beginning uh and she just like gives him a gift uh, she went shopping earlier that day. The end. Cool. Pretty much. And then the second woman is Sal's wife, who is 19. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, and she is like described as like a bombshell. Oh, and there's the gross. Oh my god. God, these cops. At the yeah. beginning, when they first see her at the Copacabana, the Popeye is like, "Come on, we should tail them." And then his partner is like, "Why? You want to play hide the salami with uh. his wife?" And he was like, "Yeah." I'm like, what the yeah, God? Yeah, no, it's fucking <laughs> awful. And and then later when they're when they actually go into their like d deli uh -huh. drugstore type thing, um, oh, their yeah. cover is Roy Scheider being like, hey, "You could be a model. I want to photograph you for fifty dollars an hour." And she's like, "No, I'd only do it for two hundred. And it's like, why is this the only thing that we're getting? Of her? I know, right, right, yeah, what? yes. Um, and then the third woman who we uh, barely see at all is when um, Popeye is, is feeling sad mm. um, and he's like driving around in his cop car and he sees a lady riding a bicycle 
and we see like see her red go-go boots yep and then the next thing we see is the her like boots are on his floor and he's in bed and it's very like post-coital and like her stuff's everywhere uh-huh. uh and then uh and then like the other part his partner has like come in and like to wake him up basically right. Uh, and then she like from down the hallway like sees that somebody else is there and she like pulls up a blanket and then like giggles kind of and like runs away with like her back facing right. them and then the partner is like <laughs> like just they just sort of like have this like moment of like oh yeah nice job dude and she doesn't even she doesn't say a line we don't ever see her face we don't see her collect her things right she just runs to the other direction right. like your yeah. stuff's on the floor these boots I'm sure Ooh. they cost money and then his partner like picks up her underwear and I thought he was gonna like sniff them or something. Dude, he didn't he was just like these are yours ha 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 they're joking about anyways those are the, all the women and his movie. foot had like the, she's you know handcuffed him to the bed right, right. Um, his ankle um, and about that oh, yeah which is also where he keeps his gun on his ankle oh yeah because um, you know should one of the only quotes that uh, I felt really popped because I felt the dialogue in this movie was just kind of lackluster mm-hmm. um, that uh, one of the cops is kind of thrown it thrown it at Popeye and he's like yeah you know I heard that you keep your gun around your ankle so when you meet a girl and rub up against her she can't tell you're a cop mm-hmm. I'm like what does that even mean? I know. Like, what is that? What is she like? Do, so she, cause she won't be attracted to you or cause she'll feel threatened by you. Like I actually right. have or, no idea. Or You're like s- she's a prostitute. And so like the only women right. you would sleep oh. with are, maybe that's it actually. I didn't think about yeah, that. Yeah. That actually that. makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <Maybe Sorry. that. laughs> but, um, I did read that the, the real life guy, the real life Popeye, I, it sounds like, uh, one of those, bullshit things that happens in 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 nonfiction movies where something just looks super extraneous and it is because it doesn't matter at all to the plot but somebody who was part of the real life story uh it was a true thing and so they just wanted a, a part of it that apparently popeye in real life was just it would have lots of like one night stands and stuff mm. and so we have this throw away totally extraneous transaction that we don't even I mean as heinous as it is to say if we if we had like a second time at least we could pretend that they were trying to use it as some kind of device Mm. or mechanism or have some kind of intentionality there as opposed to be like, yeah, he's fucking dog. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He can drive up behind a woman on a bicycle (laughs) and then they're going to smash. Right. And also all of the women, I hate that you said smash too, but it's fine. It was very, it was from Popeye's point of view. He would Mm -hmm. say smash. All the three women who are these sexualized women are also like, there's a, clear point to them being way younger than the men which right. is just like so weird like she too she's she's really young from what we can tell yeah and he's again like this sort of old kind of gross looking dude uh but it's like doesn't matter like they you know it's just like the, the sexuality of like hot young women you mm-hmm. know and it's like it just grosses me out yeah did i that. did not a fan no. um oh god and then the, the, the other question that i have is i mean did you just did you like it? I did not like I it. I didn't like I it. It was also boring. Yeah, it was just a boring it was movie. So boring. It was so much of the movie is them like tailing the people, and I'm like, my God, this is boring. They're just like literally, we watch them follow them around the city. Yeah. And I'm like, forever. Forever. I thought yeah. It was just boring, too. I didn't. Oh, I also hated the. 
the cop that got shot on the train. Oh, yeah. I was like, why? God. Everything everything about this movie is bad. And it just, I feel like if, so, uh, spoiler, the Godfather comes out next year. Mm -hmm. I feel like if this film came out after the Godfather, then Mm -hmm. it it would be even more forgotten than it is now. I don't, I do not feel like it stands up. Yeah, no, that's true. That's interesting that next year we'll have a very, very well-known crime movie. Yeah. Right. By <laughs> this this director's self-proclaimed nemesis. <laughs> nemesis. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and then uh, something fun and super stupid. The producer of this film, uh, so I said, in case you weren't aware, there's a film called Jaws. It's about a shark and it stars Roy Scheider. I feel like I maybe it's a I've film. Heard of this. Yeah, it's a oh, film. No. It's it's like a kind of a B movie. Mm. Um, but in one year after Jaws comes out, he was the producer of a of another film called Shark Kill. Oh my god, this director? <laughs> the the producer. Oh, the producer. So oh. I'm, I'm just like, damn, y'all are god, like these people suck. Following <laughs> movies, like just really chill. Just you leave it to other people. Dear God. Yeah, um, I'm ready to talk about Fiddler. Are you? Jesus, let's like, move on. Like this has been so depressing. Yeah. Let's talk about something that we want to keep. You know. Right. Um, oh, I love this movie. I the my favorite thing about this movie, especially maybe because we've now watched like all these films in a row mm-hmm. from the same time period, uh, is the the women and the relationship between like the the father and his daughters and and just like who the women are and what we get to see of them right. in this movie, because like they're you know with the like bucking tradition theme, um, tradition is a theme. Um, there like a lot of that has to do with Tevia like watching his daughters grow and like mm-hmm. sort of change with the world and like the 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 like appreciate so you mentioned far from the home i love which is the song that huddle sings when she's about to get on the train to go to stay with what well i her chick in siberia yes in siberia which i thought was yeah uh, i was like she is traveling alone on a train to i know siberia true, like true. that is as a young jewish woman and like yeah who i know in that was the turn crazy. of the century where you can't even like call home or you can't even i was like what did she do on the train for that long she has to cross effectively america like how what does she have a book like what is the deal yeah yeah i mean right good questions that the movie does not answer but like as she's singing that song to her father there was just this moment where i like he looks at her with this like amazement you know and just this sort of awe uh and i feel like to me it like really captured his relationship to his daughters and then also like the women in the movie because yeah. just sort of like seeing the women like come into their own and be you know and and be like teaching lessons to the old gen- old guard kind of just through them like being fully themselves and like doing what they want to do you know right um the only person who i was annoyed with wanting to do what she wanted to do mm. was zeidel mm-hmm. because I just thought model is uh he's a wimp. He, but that's he's a wimp. cool too, but I love that too because it's not like she went she she loves the guy who's like sort of really dweeby. My god, right. the way he like sings and he, when he's like happy, he's dancing and he looks like a little dork. And like he doesn't have to be this like macho awesome guy for her to love him. Right. He's, but like she just loves this little dorky guy, you know? But I'm also just like if she, when she's like, literally, I'm going to be forced into a marriage with somebody else. You have to say something. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, uh, right. uh, Red Tevi, uh, uh, <laughs> good Shabbos. Good, good Shabbos. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I, know, I mean, I, I feel like if she's like, oh, well, uh, I guess 
you're cool with me marrying this other dude? I'm like, come on, man. Well, then he does. Like, they showed that. So then yes. when he, like, does come and he finally does speak up to him, you know. And that's also the, the comedy of the drama. Comedy drama. The comedy of the drama? The comedy of the comedy uh. drama. Uh, you know, because, like, little yeah right and the the the, the, like shtick of him being like uh tevye can i talk to you yeah sorry um say it shall i voice tevye sure 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 yeah it's like uh tevye right it's like oh uh yeah can i may i talk to you oh what is this you're being tevye if you want to be tevye you gotta be tevye okay all right get out okay well i just i just i was i was thinking i wanted to tell you I, I don't you know really what? know. You're I'm not sorry. Doing this. I can't Why are you picture g- the exact the scene. You just say it in a normal accent. Okay. Um, <laughs> You'd be both. Well, he just always cuts him off, <laughs> oh, and he's like oh, yelling okay. at him for not talking. Right, 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 but he's right, like, right. Oh, he's I like, see. Yeah. Talk, talk. Right. Talk. And he's like, well, I just talk. talk. Well, I just right, right. talk. talk. And you're like, right. oh, God, right. this is assaulting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Got it. Now I understand. Sorry. Yes. I, I couldn't I couldn't help you with that. I'm sorry. You're good. And then, you know, I did wonder, how did you feel about so a lot obviously this question is about um tradition about modernization Mm -hmm. growing with the world which is why some of the more uh like backwards statements that get said i mean Mm -hmm. they're kind of they're in a way they get a pass because it's a commentary Mm -hmm. on that way of thinking and about a transition into a new world how did you feel about the fact that like no one transitions, I guess maybe model, I guess maybe he might be the only one, but like the other two men in order for them to have love, Mm -hmm. the sacrifices must come from the women. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's true. I, I, that is definitely like not an ideal thing because right it's like perchick especially of sort of like i'm gonna go i have to do this right. I have to be important with my life so like and he does and but she does say you know he didn't ask me to to go to siberia right. i want to go that's why i'm going mm-hmm. um and uh fiedka which is the name of the the one the russian guy the christian guy um yeah we don't we just don't really see much of him i mean to me it was more like i what i really appreciated about each of all three of those was that like it was clear through the the scenes we had with with between the mates right. that like their relationships and what they valued in each other was mm. like was not physical appearance like it was like one it was sort of like we've been to so title and model it's like they've known each other since they were kids they're right. like best friends you know and then um, huddle and Perchik, it's like uh, like he really he like comments a bunch about like how smart she is and like how she's got like, this great wit you know right. And then Hava, it's like she loves to read and they like talk about books, and, you know, so like it was yeah. just a really nice. I, I appreciate that. But I, I do know what you mean in terms of like the sacrifices that the women had to give and the men didn't have to. Right. Um, I mean, but in the end, though, Fiedka actually like so Hava and Fiedka, even though he now technically since she's married to him, right. you know, like they would probably be safe there. But he also is like, we need to leave because I don't want to live among people who would do this. Right. Um, we just don't know enough about like his situation to know like how much of a sacrifice that really is mm-hmm. um yeah 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 i was just wondering because i did read a, a number of just a few but there are some think pieces about the fact that the movie because it's one of the few instances of uh like traditional 
Judaism sort of depicted mm-hmm. on film, not just like people who are Jewish, but like like a, a Jewish community and it's uh, Jewish filmmakers and, you know, all Jewish actors and things. But it's about people effectively turning. These are not my words. These are other people's ideas that they're coming with, but like kind of turning away from traditional mm-hmm. Judaism. I don't know how to formulate the question, but I'm just wondering what your thought on it is, especially with um, like like Esther, you obviously have done research on mm-hmm. the more sort of traditional and sort of, I guess, like old world yeah, yeah, yeah. style right, Jewish right. living. And so, yeah, what Stephen is referring to is a play that I wrote, yeah, called Book of Esther. But so, um, yeah, I mean, I feel to me, a lot of it for me was actually like, I was thinking about this movie in the con- and like that question mm-hmm. more in the context of like, what's to come for these people in terms of like World War II and Nazis and everything. Um, and so like a lot of it for me was about like the question of like turning away or like changing with the world was more about like, will you, will you like shelter yourself and pretend that the world is not happening around you or will you take action and like protect yourself and actually like protect your traditions by mm. being aware of the world, you know, and adapting a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, and so I, and I feel though like, um, any cult, any religion or like you know traditions that are really uh, deep in a in a community, it's like questioning them periodically is really healthy and important, you know. And so I feel like the traditions in this movie that are sort of questioned the most really have to do with you know the role of women in the societies, you know. Right. And I feel like those particular traditions which are being questioned are should be questioned. Good traditions you know? to question, right. Yeah. Um, because in the end, you know, it's like when they all have to leave and everything, it's like they, you know, ostensibly are like carrying their culture and their community like with them and mm-hmm. will continue to keep that alive because like it's their identity, you know. Um, but that the idea of questioning tradition is is in itself an important thing, you know. Right. And I don't, I don't know where I have it, but there's a, he does say something about Oh yeah, like because of tradition, everyone knows who he is and what God expects mm-hmm. him to do. And I did wonder, I did think about that in terms of like the idea of having a long-standing cultural tradition and the ability to look at that and and kind of find comfort in your identity that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I I did feel like, especially with this being a pogrom, mm-hmm. and not, I don't know, I feel like I said that in a weird way. No, you said it right. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but I, I do feel like this is kind of a, a like a, I don't feel like allegory is the right word, but it definitely does kind of parallel what happened in World War Two, and is a way of like, sort of addressing that in a way that's not as terrible mm-hmm. um, or like slightly more palatable. Yeah. Um, because this is also based on like, yes, it's fictional and but then it, um, it is an area referred to as the, the pale of settlements, which in the Russian empire was the only place where Jews were allowed to have uh, permanent homes. Right. And it was there for like, roughly 200 years Mm -hmm. um and then as a lot of things are starting to change in russia um both with uh 
communism and tensions that were going on throughout like Russia and Europe that would eventually spill over into World War One. Mm-hmm. Um, there were like constrictions that were made, and also there were a number of Jews that were higher up in the in the Communist Party. Um, and the traditionally communism has been very um, like I don't know very anti nationalism and like um, particularly ethno nationalism. So mm-hmm. like you know like Lenin made a lot has made a, a number of speeches about how um, how anti semitism and racism um, are features of capitalism and directly uh, prevent workers from having sort of rights and equality. Mm. And so that is uh, another one of the reasons that there was sort of anti-Semitic fear mm-hmm. stoked by the Russian Empire, um, which then led to their expulsion. So I, I'm losing the thread here. No, well, just thinking thread. about it as an allegory, or, you know, sort of like a way to look at what what was to what happen was more recent you know yeah. yeah and and i actually was thinking about that a lot with the constable as a character right in terms of like because it seemed to be a pretty clear point that they were making where throughout you know it was like he his defense of everything that he did was mm. like i'm following orders right. and if i wasn't doing it somebody else would be here and would do it much harsher you know would you know uh and so like and then the yeah like the very last scene that we see with the constable he literally pretty much says like I'm not doing this to you. I'm just following the orders, you know, right. which is, of course, the, the argument, the defense that many Nazis gave after the Nuremberg tribunals and everything. Exactly. Right. So that, that yeah, it, it, yeah, it definitely hits very strong when, especially after the, the destroying of the wedding reception, because, because he tells, like he singles out Tevye to tell him, mm-hmm. you get the impression that he is telling Tevye, he likes Tevye. Therefore this, demonstration you don't know what it's going to be but you're definitely assuming he's not going to be the one targeted right and then it's his daughter's wedding right that it happens during yeah Yeah. and they like destroy all of the goods that they have received for their (sighs) wedding they just just they destroy and knowing you know how poor tevye's family and like how precious it's like because yeah it's like the bride and you know the bride's parents give you this like Mm -hmm. feather blanket and it's like we know how much they must have saved for you know and then it like gets ripped in front of our eyes yeah i I mean model gets the first sewing machine in the town Mm -hmm. so everything that he has made as a tailor has been sewn together by hand so these and if he got it first certainly whoever made this blanket right they did it all by hand by hand yeah 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 and destroyed right and they would have presumably had that for like their whole lives right right no absolutely Another thing about this movie, just because thinking about how the last thing we talked about with the French connection was like, it was just kind of boring. This movie is so much fun. This movie is also just like delightful. I feel like in terms there is of, a lot of like fun. it's it was funny. I I also find like the so Chaim Topol, who is the te- Tevye, uh-huh. is just like electric. Like he's so he's such got a great presence and like. I don't know. Maybe you look like you don't. Maybe a hundred percent agree. Well, but like the dream hey, sequence, the dream uh, yeah. is just like. Oh, it's so fun. Oh man, it's so fun. And I do like that like I do like his character that he you know, you would think that he would you just don't see a lot of times like the a not weird sort of 
father-daughter love where he's just willing to do what they want and like mm-hmm. the you know the dream is a a fun example of him being like well i i'm i'm gonna figure out a way right. to, to to make it work yeah, yeah yeah the dream reminded me of like a muppets movie oh my god do you know yeah. what I, like yeah it was it's just so fun um and it's and it's i feel like throughout like in the midst of all the the drama and like the really serious and hard things like mm-hmm. there's always like he, he especially tevia as the performer is just like these little moments of comedy, you know, and lightness, which just like make it so much more heartfelt, you know? Yeah. I mean, he even, you know, even the bit, I think it's right after he finds out from the constable that there's going to be a little demonstration. He mm. has a moment talking to God where mm. he's like, I know we're the chosen people, but every once in a while, <laughs> could you choose, could you choose somebody else? else? Yeah. So like, it, you know, there's always right. a sort of in the face of tragedy, yeah, a kind of, upbeat right. lightheartedness right and and so yeah because he talks to god often and mm. to us as well um and yeah and i feel like it's all it's like playful and like irreverent a right. little but also really like like his devotion is really clear too which is right. just a fun mix and then there's also lots of like shtick mm-hmm. where you know both we talked about it with model and, and tevia and then also with the newspaper guy yeah. yeah like he comes in he's like i have news and he's like well don't 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 read it tell right, us like right, right, and, right. And yeah every and single time i'm like wow what a great bit right and the guy who's with the newspaper guy who every time what is his phrase he oh well put well put well, like and whenever he said like he'll yeah. say something he's like oh well put you know and it's just like a funny little shtick yeah, yeah. and yeah. then every yeah because like everyone in the town has their own place you know mm-hmm. and then that's one of the reasons that they hate um, Perchik so much because mm. the second he says anything they're like you're not from here right, right? right. well and he's like trying to upend their well, whole system but true. yes true he's true. not from Fair. here true true true, true. Yeah. and he yeah. studied at the university uh, Kiev yeah Kiev <laughs> uh, now I do have to say despite his electricity mm-hmm. uh oh yeah no Tobel's gotta go really? it's it, it, well it's a shame so uh, here's the thing he co-founded um he has done some charity work like he co-founded this something called variety israel that was serving uh, special needs kids and he created this uh, a year-round summer camp called the jordan river village for jewish and arab children that have uh life-threatening diseases Hmm. um however he did both stephen schwartz and patty lapone when they Stephen Schwartz in like interviews, Patti Lapone in her autobiography did claim that he was really unprofessional on stage mm-hmm. and verbally and physically abusive. Oh shit. Yeah. Well, that sucks. I couldn't, I, because this information that was sort of cataloged years ago and not now, it's hard to tell. I wasn't able to find specifically whether or not that was also mm. sexually abusive. Mm-hmm. Um, wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. yeah. Um, I yeah. Got it. Well, um, oh so well. he's so kind never of never mind. He's gone. Gotta go. He's gotta go. Yeah, but he did. It's a, it, it's a shame. It sucks because he yeah. did use money to right create good things, and he yeah. apparently played Tevia like thirty five thousand times like performances wow. not like no, no, runs right. iterations that yeah. would be in, <laughs> yeah, probably impossible for a single probably human life impossible, yes. um yeah. yeah interesting i also just um thinking about this as the movie versus like 
just the context content of it as a show mm. i feel like there are a lot of really really wonderful uses of the of it, making it as a film that i, I found did note throughout that, yeah. Um, and one of those was like um, the constant presence of like silent children throughout the movie, because like there's a lot of scenes where there's just like other children, and especially like the fact the fact that the family has five daughters and there's the three younger daughters who right. are just like there or two younger daughters, um, and that like they are sort of in the back as a sort of visual metaphor, you know, of the like the future and like right. and and I was also couldn't help but think about you know these children and like when they are adults, you know that they it well, will be they during will be of age during the right holocaust, during like yeah. the holocaust and you know and just sort of like this like uh the image of ch of children in the future and and like sort of visual metaphors of that yeah. they use throughout the film and like the the fun play with like every time one of the daughters asks tevia about um, getting married then like there's these like moments where we like see the daughter and the partner like far down a road suddenly and like they're all yeah blurry, i thought that was so like every time really they fun. he would like turn he would look and they would be so far right. away i was like right Ugh. whereas like in the reality it's like they're all just standing next to each other right. but then it like moves into this like visual metaphor moment which was really delightful yeah it kind of helps create the reality that you would have on stage where mm -hmm. maybe it would he would be spotted or something mm -hmm. that would create some sort of light visual designation between like oh he's doing an aside that's outside of the world right. and then especially when um one of the one of the weirdest ones conventionally was with laser wolf mm -hmm. which also <laughs> there was like a really weird funny bizarre like threesome bit oh yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. like because he thinks he wants um uh tobo thinks he wants a milk cow mm -hmm. and then uh Lasers asking him for his daughter's hand, and he was right. like, "Well, if I give you one, then next thing you know, right, you're gonna you're be gonna one want another. another. Two. Like, for what? What am I gonna do right. with two? Same thing you do with right. <laughs> like, ah! No, but right, which was just funny shtick too. But when he was like pressuring him to answer the question, it was like he froze mm -hmm. in midair, and then he was like off in his own world right, doing the thing. Right. Yeah, um, and, and I do think they really did a good job of. Throughout the show, this is not like in filmmaking exclusively throughout the show, make lots of points of like things are changing. Mm -hmm. um, like when when he gets the sewing machine, he he's like, you know, n all new, you know, no more handmade clothes. Everything will be made by machine. Mm. Um, and even then, I also thought it was really funny when the guy was doing the when Pritchard was doing the, the Bible story. And he was talking about, um, uh, I think, Jacob. And he was talking about um, uh, asking for Rachel's hand and then having like having to work for something and then having to work seven more years for Rachel's hand. And he's like, which the Bible teaches us, never trust an employer. Right. And he's like, that's what it says if you're studying it correctly. Right, I'm like, right. what? That was funny. Yeah. yeah, no, I thought that was like, I thought that was really funny. And I also noted immediately in tradition the way that editing mm -hmm. was mm. used to make choreography out of basically pedestrian yeah. movement yeah yeah i thought that yeah i it thought was that was really, really cool i don't have the breadth of musical cinema knowledge mm. to know how early on that was and how innovative that was but mm -hmm. i i certainly noted it as you know especially since the editing of the french connection is actually pretty kind of coarse like mm -hmm. it really kind of hits you it, it was cool that the editing of this film was 
both like playful and really well integrated into the way the story was being told. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, Gina, do we do we need to do a second I mean, pass? We might as well just to affirm. Just to keep just the to keep, yeah. Keep, keep our it. tradition yeah. alive. Yeah. Yes. 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 This is our tradition. Oh man. Okay. Okay. Uh, sticking the way that we've done it today. Yep. Yep. One, three, two, two, one. Three. Fiddler on the roof, baby. baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, French Connection, but you're gone. Yeah, sorry, and I'm not sorry, French not Connection. Sorry at all. You can, God, you get can out of go. here, please. Um, we, are all Fiddler set. can stay. Fiddler can stay. Hooray! Oh my God! Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Gina. Steven. Oh, oh, this is oh. big. This is big, <laughs> Gina. Where can they find you? Yeah. Oh man! Oh man! <laughs> Okay, so I finally, because it only took public shaming ah! <laughs> and having to say my Instagram name aloud <laughs> on this podcast, I changed it. Yeah. So you can now, you can find me on Instagram. My, I'm Gina underscore with a G or, or? With, or Withag. I realized it also looks like Gina Withag. Yeah. So I like them both. Yeah. So I'm Gina underscore with a G. Gina with a G. I'm I literally, adult. the second I <laughs> noticed it, I texted you immediately. I know. I know. And I would never have done it if it were not for this podcast. Oh, so go. thanks, podcast. Oh. And then I am at Stephen Moskis everywhere. Uh, you can also follow this podcast, and you should. You should. At should we keep on Twitter because they don't let you write things out long enough? Jeez. Jeez. And then, you know, make sure to follow Rock Rising so you can see all the other cool things that they do. Yeah. Mm. Um, great. Next week, um, we will be looking at 1972, and it will be a little bit different. Yeah, we're going to have a little fun. Because the top grossing film and the best picture winner were the da, same da, 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 movie, which was The Godfather. Yeah. yeah. The Godfather. Godfather. Oh, my God. Oh my God. Yeah. So, anyways, what we're going to do. I'm going to do the whole podcast like that, I actually. I can't wait. You oh should get, make sure you have water. Um, so what we're going to do, I think you could keep doing that under, as under gentle underscore if you want to. Um, we're going to talk about the Godfather, of course, but we are also going to look at, no, never mind. <laughs> you can't do that. We're also going to look at the, um, most popular, what's the top, yeah, top it's the top rated, uh, top rated TV show, top rated TV show, which is all, all in, in the, the family. family, which was actually, is the top rated TV show for like, it was like five years mm. in a row. Yeah, wow. So, yeah, so, big old, big, it's a big one. It's, it's a big one. We're not sure world. how we're going to do that because yeah. it's new, but You're we're going to, it'll be figuring fun. figuring it out with it. You're going to figure it out. I don't know. I'm trying. Yeah. I'm going to, it's going to be really well, great. Well, we're not on that movie yet anyways. No. So, okay. hold your horses. All right. Hold your horse hold, hold, hold your stop. Of the, yeah, up, yeah. Scene, oh, oh man, I what you'll be. Go to the mattresses. Okay, uh, we're not on the oranges. <laughs> but Stephen, I want to yeah. end this with a question. Yes. Have you been picking your feet in Poughkeepsie? What? Goodbye. Goodbye. Picking yeah. your feet in Poughkeepsie isn't that weird? Yeah, and that's what he like. Because doesn't the guy say what? I, yeah. Yeah, the <laughs> guy's like what? This has been a Rock Rising Productions podcast. Thanks for listening.